Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Alston, sitting down with Keith Myers. Good morning, Keith. How are you doing? I am doing all right. It's um, it's cold and uh, snowy and unexpectedly, because even though we've had snow all week, it was supposed to kind of melt and be done, and it snowed overnight again, and so we're, um, we're freezing up here in the Pacific Northwest. Wow. That's, uh, I did not know that. Yeah, my my folks are up there. I, I talked to them a couple of days ago, made sure that they had heat and uh, water, and everything was okay. And they weren't going out to get their mail because they have a little slope of a driveway that I don't want them climbing down. When it's icy out, but uh, they didn't they didn't share with me that it was supposed to continue for days upon days. It so, wasn't. Yeah. Anyway. Because- Kind of supposed to be done, but woke up to more snow, and I'm just like, you wow. know, what? I'm I'm done with this. Let's uh, let's warm up and um, and get back to life as normal. So yeah. Anyways, nice. that is that's not we're here. This is not a um, this is not a weather podcast. So, so one of the most exciting things. So we're playing the Detroit Lions this weekend. One of the most exciting things that happened to the Detroit Lions franchise is that uh, Keith Myers did a live mock draft last night, and he was the GM for just a moment for the Detroit Lions franchise as they picked number two overall, and they took uh, Kevon Thibodeau with that pick. And, yeah, um, yeah, for a moment they had something to cheer about. For a moment. Um, And then uh, a little bit later, about a half an hour later, they um, got another pick, and um, Denny, our... um, you know, partner through NFL mock draft Matt database for that show, um, mocked them a wide receiver and flashbacks to Charles Rogers and uh, Mike Williams. And um, yeah, it's something about first round wide receivers in the Lions are just absolutely not, not yeah. something that my brain <laughs> will ever connect uh, positively with um, ever again. So uh, <laughs> all the cheering, all the, all the, um, the uh, the pretend cheering um, ended at that point. <laughs> That's funny. So, what do you think of Dan Campbell and and the job that uh, that he has there with trying to remake that franchise? And in sort of he's he's an interesting guy in that he's really really fiery and just real. He's like a real dude with a you know a real football mm-hmm. persona, and he's trying to get them um, into a, a, just a completely new mindset, top to bottom. And it's hard to do. Yeah, that 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 organization has a massive culture problem. Um, and, you know, it goes back to, um, you know, the days of Millen as the coach GM followed by just GM. And he guy was as awful and terrible as you could ever be um, at being a GM. And... Um, so Campbell's got a massive job ahead of him and the trade for Goff. I mean, it was really a trade um, 
away from Stafford and to get resources, but it, it gave them Goff. Um, actually, it wasn't a great combination for him because it put him, it locked him into a quarterback that's kind of awful. And um, so they needed, they need an opportunity to get out from underneath that. This was supposed to be the year that they were able to do that because of all the resources that they acquired. Mm-hmm. But there's, he has a, he hasn't been completely horrible this year. I will have to say. I mean, he's no, he obviously, hasn't yeah, and he hasn't been. It's it's, uh, it's everything else, you know. Yeah, the um, I I think that Campbell's done a good job. I mean, you you watch this team and they're bad. They're just genuinely bad. But they but are, they do fight for him. They've yeah, they're they're continuing to play hard. This in fact, they've had a couple the of yeah, they've had a couple of great games in December uh, with a win against the uh, was it the Vikings and. Um, the Cardinals, Arizona, and, yeah, and you know that's that's great in December for a franchise that's looking at you know the the first two or three picks overall in the twenty twenty two draft. So, all right, so let's talk about the Seahawks for a little bit. Um, Seahawks come into this game abysmal, five and um, ten, five and Just ten, brutally that's hard bad. to say. That's hard to say. Um, you know, in no way, shape, or form do they look like the team that we had talked about in Mm -mm. september and um it's hard to know which direction that this franchise is moving there's a lot of talk speak coach speak players speak at the end of the year where you know players are still trying to say the right thing um and for the most part i think in the seahawks organization they are successful at that and the coach has kind of hinted that uh there's there's ongoing dialogue with Jody Allen and that John Schneider's for the most part the the point guy with that relationship and that they have ongoing conversations all the time about the direction uh different personnel moves um decision making on a semi lower level um she seems to be you know at least aware of those decisions um which is a good thing Mm-hmm. Um, while not inserting herself in those decisions is the proper thing. And, you know, there's a lot of talk out there um, with regards to fans about how involved she is, who she is, what she's about, what she's going to do, what she should do, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm just here to tell you, bottom line, she is a strong person, a strong owner, a self-made woman who happens to have taken over uh, her brother's highly successful um, philanthropic uh, endeavors and taken over um, Vulcan and so forth. Um, But she has high level people in place and she's in complete control. And so I just want to make sure that people understand that because it really rubs me the wrong way when I hear otherwise and that she's somehow weak and uh, doesn't know what she's doing and all of that. Yeah. I just, I mean, that's just is the, really frustrating for me. Yeah. This isn't a Mark Davis situation where, um, you know, he's got nothing personal to hang his hat on except for who his dad was. Um, you know, Jody Allen did inherit, you know, the Seahawks and the Blazers from her brother. Um, but she also had her own very successful um, business um endeavors beforehand like she was and she was extremely successful on her own 
yes. before her brother passed away. Um, and like I said, it's, it's not a, this isn't a Mark Davis situation. So I think that people need to recognize that there's that. I think a part of it is, um, sadly, that she she's not going to be one who's going to be out in front talking to the media. And so she's in the background and people are just assuming, oh, that means she's uninvolved. And she's not. You, um, Pete Carroll's been talking about that John Snyder's the one, talks to her, talks to her all the time, talks to her like weekly. There are a lot of conversations about, you know, the direction of the franchise, what's going on, where things are going, all these things. Um, she's on board with uh, with everything. And so it's not a case where she's just an absentee owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll leave it at that for now. Stuff will happen um, or won't, and um, I think the franchise is in good hands and and will be for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, there's still no determination long term uh, mm-hmm. as to whether or not she intends to retain uh, the franchise or sell it or whatever. Um, and there's no time, I think, right now to speculate about that sort of stuff. Um, get well, through the season, and we'll figure it all out. The only thing that she has said in that regard was that the, fran- the the sports franchises would be used to continue her brother's um, philanthropic uh, endeavors. Um, and that can be seen in a couple of ways. A lot of people were like, oh, that means she's going to sell so she can use that money. Um, or it could be seen that, hey, these things are profitable, highly profitable. And if she retains them, they, they still they- work as intended. Yeah, they they continue to make money for, uh, you know that um, charity, and so it's a matter where you know how do you view that? And it appears that at least with the Seahawks long term, she plans on holding on to them and um, allowing them to continue to make her a bunch of money that she could then spend on uh, on philanthropy. So um, the Blazers are a slightly different question because their profitability is less um and so there has been some talk in the portland area about perhaps her looking to uh unload that team at some point but it looks like she's here to stay as far as um with the seahawks and now a word from our sponsor DraftKings. football fans i'm sure we all love an action-packed high-scoring nfl game but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl You'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so let's turn our attention to some football stuff. So um, 
let's talk about the game a little bit like yep. uh playing the lions playing uh, the lions it's a it's a lowly game it's a you know both teams are are in the wrong direction in 2022 the lions as we mentioned have had a couple of decent showings um can the seahawks finish out and um at least go into the offseason with some optimism and uh player development wise at least having a look at a few decent um player options as we head into the new year yeah um so i was looking at this game and i was like okay these are two teams that are that are bad by record but they're also just bad statistically um you know the lions give up eight yards per pass attempt so the seahawks should be able to get dk metcalf and and tyler lockett going and 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 really create a bunch of um bunch of positive stuff in that direction the Seahawks give up 7.3 which is a lot of the problem with their defense they just can't stop giving up um completions especially completions for first downs on third down yeah um and so I, I think this is a this is a place where you could we can you can look at this game and and Seattle's going to have a chance to um get Eskridge involved more and and get their their two um you know, they're two big name receivers going, uh, see what, you know, see what Wilson can do and all of that. But it also means that they have an opportunity to, um, get the ball going, um, or get the ball throwing and, and run some of the stuff that they've been wanting to run all season and haven't really been able to, and see if guy, a guy like Jake Curran, uh, who's been playing right tackle the last few weeks, um, is as good of a pass blocker as he needs to be to be the starter because we know he's a run blocker and we we've seen that the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. He has the the running game has been greatly improved since inserting him into the um, onto the field and getting him out there. And so can can he hold up if he's got a pass block? You know, uh, thirty five times a game. I'd like to see them do that experiment just to see. <laughs> Just yes. to see what he's got. Yes and and no. Um, do you throw Russell Wilson out there for thirty five passing attempts at the end of December against the Lions in a meaningless game? Um, why not? Okay. <laughs> well, because you know, four or five sacks later, and he's on the turf. That's you know your your most expensive commodity is you know that's that might not be a good thing. I mean, that experiment to find out if Jake Kern can can pass block might not be worth. Having Russell Wilson on the turf, you know, five or six times. The Lions, the Lions only have twenty-five sacks on the year, and leave it to the Lions to make to to get right against the Seattle Seahawks. Well, you know, yeah. Um, So the only only team worse is the Falcons, and I was I I couldn't I had to go and verify this number because I can't believe that it's that it's true. But the Falcons have um, sixteen sacks on the year. Yeah, and the Seahawks have what twenty-one. No, um, where where'd they go on here? Um, twenty nine. They're better than the Lions. Oh, okay. So we've come up. Yep. So so, the, so since since I saw that stat and and I saw the sixteen, it's been like three weeks, and they haven't had another one since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's rough. So um, I hope in, in in the show, whoever picked for the Lions gave them a pass rusher. Uh, another line to the, um, how, the how about getting a, a guy like um i noticed a stat the other day on twitter about colby parkinson only having a handful of targets in, a, in yeah. a year where he was supposed to emerge and have lots of opportunities and um just hasn't quite worked out that way and i'm just curious 
as to the tight end use overall. I know that Gerald Everett has come up, you know, in the last six weeks and had quite decent production. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, but, he had the one but, really bad game against the 49ers where he um, tried to give the 49ers the game, but uh, the rest of the season, he's been pretty good. And then except for when, you know, he's banged up for a little bit um, in there, but he's, he's really come on strong. And I think that's part of it is that, uh, he's kind of um, Everett's kind of forced himself into being an almost every down player, um, and then when they when they need blocking, you know they go Will Disley, and so um, Parkinson's you know been relegated to that third spot, which they don't use a lot of three tight end stuff, and so that's why he hasn't just hasn't been on the field. Yeah. So yeah, I'd like to see get him get 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 him on the field, get him involved in the passing game, which again involves them throwing the ball more. So um, I think that would be a uh, a good use of this particular game is, is seeing what he's got. Just give him an opportunity. Interesting. So who else, Keith? Um, we know that Rashad Penny has, has looked great, but what else do we have? I mean, um, going forward, Travis Homer's out um, or has been, you know, out and, DJ Dallas is available and has looked okay at times. He's been a great kick returner this year, um, but he hasn't been so much involved in, you know, running between the tackles and kind of being a back of choice. They've gone to Collins and then it's Penny. He's never really had that opportunity to kind of take over. Um, They've got a kid by the name of Josh Johnson, who's been on the practice squad all year um that really hasn't had any touches at all mm-hmm. as well it'd be kind of nice to see at least a handful of touches go to those guys to find out um what we have on the roster penny's not under contract next year um chris carson had the neck surgery at the end of the year here and we just don't know going forward yeah. our even our own roster right now yeah i would say that um at this point, like it wouldn't be nice to see. I, I was ready to see Josh Johnson up um, with an opportunity to uh, play until Penny came back and really established himself as, hey, this is a guy you can count on. This is a guy that is um, the best back on the roster. Uh, and at this point, you know, I. I'm more interested in other things um, than, you know, a guy that's been your sixth string running back this year. Um, And so we know Homer is never going to be a guy that's going to run between the tackles. He's at most a third down back. He really needed to have won a special teams job in order to, you know, kind of justify his existence. And he does good as a, as a gunner on, on, um, on kickoffs, but uh, I think Dallas has also done well in that role and he's been our kick returner and has looked really good as a kick returner. And over the last three weeks has started to really come on as a runner um, and started to get more comfortable uh, in Seattle's offense. So I think that with you, you've got a guy like Dallas and at uh, backing at Penny and you just kind of roll with it um, for now. And I, I think that the, you go ahead and you let, penny continue to run because it allows the offense to work better so you can evaluate more things um and actually have the offense function and then you know you go you mix in dallas here and there and and give him um opportunities i want to see him more in the pat i want to see dallas more involved in the passing game 
Um, that's what I what I what I want to see. I want to see him get opportunities to get the ball in his hands out of the backfield with some space and use that stuff that makes him such a dynamic um, kick returner in the offense and, and see what happens. I know in this last game, they moved him around a little bit. I saw him line up wide receiver a couple of times and, uh, but they didn't really get him the ball. It just, it just didn't work out that way for him. So yeah. uh, I, I want to see them. I want to see them, you know, do some of those things and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, your quote, uh, it just didn't work out for him that way um, seems to be applicable for a lot of different uh, players this year. Russell Wilson um, has obviously had a, a difficult year, 12 starts this year, missed four uh, games with an injury and then came back uh, by all accounts a little early and struggled um, primarily. He was awful. Yeah. Let's, let, let's not, let's not beat around the bush that his first, well, it's uh, just, first three it's, games back. It's hard. Genuinely bad. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, on the season, he's 224 for 345, 64.9% completion percentage. That's down about 5% um, overall from last year. So not completely off the rails, but he's only had 18 touchdowns this year, five interceptions. Um, That 18 touchdowns is about half of what he had the prior year. Um, Mm -hmm. So that doesn't account for just four games. That's just, it's just been a real struggle for this team. The time of possession is dead last in the NFL. Um, it's hard to attribute though, the, all of the struggles that this team is going through to just a new offensive coordinator. Oh um, no. And... Because mo- a lot of the struggles, a lot of the offensive struggles, uh, I will, I honestly believe come from the defensive side of the ball because that time of possession isn't the offense isn't the offense struggling a lot of that time of possession problem is the defense unable to get off the field ever and that just allows the offense to sit on the sidelines for long stretches it's hard to have any rhythm it's hard to have any you know continuity in what you're doing that's right yeah i mean we're down about two drives a game this year yeah, and um, that's a significant amount when you're only talking about eight drives total, um, and so that's you know twenty twenty five percent of your entire offensive production is sitting on the sidelines, not able to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's significant. That really is significant. And then you take a look at the offensive line issues. I think with the with the offense. So when we do have the ball, um, we're not able to convert consequently on third down and so forth. So our efficiency levels, which, you know, according to Pete Carroll, according to Russell Wilson, we want to be the most efficient offense um, in the NFL. That's always the goal with this regime. And um, it's just far from that. So it's, it's just been a real struggle. I mean, Um, look at the offensive line. I mean, Brown started the year with like uh, eight straight, you know, really bad games. It looked like he was done. He actually has come on and played, um, significantly better the last couple, um, which is a good sign to see, which, you know, especially given your belief that they may, you know, try and bring him back for one more year um, in order to just add some continuity and allow them to really attack the center position uh, as where they upgrade this year. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be against, against that for more. I mean, if they can truly years. go out and find a uh, left tackle of the future that, you know, has pro bowl mm-hmm. ability in the free agent market. Good luck. Um, if, if they can swing a trade or some sort of luck into a draft pick that just happens to work out, 
Orstone Forsyth is the guy. Um, no, I think if Stone Forsyth was the guy, he would have been. He would have gotten on the field for, more. It seems like it, because Dwayne Brown is. You know, he's not at a Pro Bowl level this year. He's at a mm-hmm. middle tier level, and if your new draft pick, you know, can't break through that middle tier level quality starter at least to get some reps that should tell you kind of where he's at in at least his development. Mm-hmm. They just don't view him as being ready. Yep. Bottom line. So, yeah. I mean, Lewis had, has gotten banged up and he hasn't played well. Um, How do you for, think that transition has gone for him? I think he was injured. I don't think it mattered. I don't think the transition from right to left is anything. You do, it's just nothing. It's, it's a nothing, nothing burger. Okay. No. The, the difference between light right guard and left guard in the I, NFL, I, so I, almost nothing. I, I get that. Right but tackle to left tackle is is a big deal, but right guard to left guard isn't it isn't a thing. And it's not like I Lewis think it's more of him college. being next to a center that's not good, and yeah. next to a left tackle who's diminishing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, just, and I think I think actually it has more to do with his own injuries and and just not. Having so his feet. that is that's a good question. So, He's had two years now of injuries where it's impacted his ability to stay on the field and play at a high level. Uh, every offensive lineman does. Hmm. They, uh, offensive linemen don't stay healthy year in and year out and year in and year out. It just doesn't happen. You, they get stepped on. They roll ankles. They're, they're just in the muck too much. And guys get, guys get banged up. They miss a game here or there. It's not, if you're missing a game or two or, you know, that kind of stuff, I'm okay. If you're missing like long stretches, then you, they need to find someone else. Um, but yeah, a game or two, I'm, I'm not really that concerned about it. Um, but we know the center position has been bad. Right guard's been good uh, for most of the year. Dave Jackson's done a great, great job. He, he's been been fine. And then right tackle was an absolute abysmal hole until um, Jake Curran got inserted. And now it's been better better than awful is different than good. Um, I actually think he's played pretty well given, you know, a lot of different things, but uh, yeah, he's had stretches where he's dominated, you know, and they've run behind him over there and it's good. They, they have become more right-handed in terms of the running game since he has been inserted in a tackle than they ever were when shell was over there. What do you Uh, think think of the what do you think of in retrospect now of the Dakota Shepley uh, grabbing from the 49ers um, and, and having to be put on the regular season roster and then never used? I don't know. Um, I mean, what did it cost you to do that? It cost you um, Phil Haynes, who ended up on the practice squad and then is back on the roster now. So it didn't cost you anything to get a player that you liked and wanted an opportunity to evaluate. And he wasn't, um, he wasn't good enough to play with yeah. Posick and Fuller on the roster. Yeah. Um, or, you know, but early on when it was Fuller, uh, and it was maybe not, it wasn't a matter of him good enough to play. It's a matter of that. He just didn't know the offense. Um, it's a very similar and, offense that he was in. Yeah, but there's a lot of terminology and you know, the personnel around him and, and, and a lot of those things. It's playing center is is a there's a lot of mental aspect to it. And so for him to come in and be thrown into the starting lineup, I think would have been bad for Wilson. 
Um, and so to give him an opportunity to um, get to get to know the system, get to know the scheme, get to know Wilson, all that kind of stuff. But by then Posick was healthy and back and you go with the, the veteran player. I think at this point in the season, I mean, um, especially if they're going to, if, if they're, if they're not going to do what I want and that's to throw the ball around in this game and, and get some evaluation of current as a pass blocker, then if you're going to go back to running the ball, why not put Shepley in at center? Because you know, Posick's not the future. Mm-hmm. So why not, why not see what you've got there? But then again, they, they see him at practice every day and maybe they've, maybe they've come to the conclusion that, yeah, they've got a nice backup center that can play special teams, but he isn't a starter. Um, and considering it costs you nothing to get a backup center that can play special teams, I still don't have a problem with it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I hope they uh, they have a little bit more of Dwayne Eskridge here in the in the last couple of games. Um, I saw some more targeting of him in this uh, last game, and I and it would be nice for him to have you know another uh, in the last two games, ten targets, seven catches, kind of having a little bit of an impact mm-hmm. on the game. Just kind of see what we've got there. Um, because I, I truly believe that Lockett, Metcalf, and a guy like Eskridge would have would be a real nice trio going forward. And you keep a guy, uh, re-sign a guy like um, Everett back. Disley's got it. We've got to make a decision on Disley. I would certainly bring Disley back just for the blocking, let alone just the upside on the pass catching. But um, so it'd be nice to kind of find out what our weapons are uh, mm-hmm. going into the offseason as well. So um, anything else, Keith, you want to talk about? Um, not on the offensive side. How about now, the let's defense? Move, let's move yeah. over to the defense. Um, because I think one of the things that that's come about the last couple games with uh, Trey Brown after Trey Brown's injury, and then DJ Reed was out, and they've they've kind of been forced to play these guys that they acquired af- after training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, John Reed, Sidney Jones. Well, yeah, Sidney Jones has been playing um, all year. Uh, but it's Bless Austin and John Reed. Um, and those two guys have actually played reasonably well. And I think that I'd like to see more of of them. Is Bless um, Austin, was he hurt to the point where he's he's going to, he might not be able to come back? Or is he on the, I can't remember the injury report. Uh, I don't I know for that. this, I don't know for this game. Um, I just know that when he was out there uh, in this last game, he, he played all right. He played significantly better than, uh, you know, guys yeah. that were on the roster at the beginning of the year um, did he's, when they were playing. So. He's not on the injury report. Oh, okay. So, okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing those guys just to get, get a, a better feel because I think that um, this is a team that no matter how well those guys play, no matter how um, good Trey Brown comes back from that, injury and and how ready he is they need they need to go get a number one corner they go they need to go get a guy that can shut somebody down i agree with that they don't have but i like the idea of having you know um reed as the two brown is the the nickel and then to go um fill in and make sure that you've got depth and if bless Austin and John Reed are, are part of that depth, I want, you know, I want to know that I want to feel comfortable that those guys can handle it in, mm-hmm. in a depth depth role. I think they can from what we saw in the last game, but um, yeah, I want to, I want to see it. I want to see it a little more. Um, and so 
uh, I like to see see them play. I'd also like to see uh, them get uh, Benson Mayo off the field. He's done literally nothing this year, and him starting at strong side linebacker just is like a punch to the gut every, every time it happens. Um, and and put someone out there who has a future with the team. You know, um, Robinson Alton Robinson is a guy that's actually played. Um, some strong side linebacker this year, even though he's a defensive end, they they've thrown him out there at Sam off and on, and you know, give him the start, let him let him actually go for it out there and and see uh, how he does. And the other guy to watch is um, Puna Ford this week. He's out with a concussion. I did not know that, uh, but he did not practice on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. concussion is listed there, so it'll be something to watch. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, a guy who did play in this last game um, was Miles Adams the uh the defensive tackle from the practice squad and he comes up and he kind of looks like puna ford <laughs> i mean he's a he's he in terms of his stature he's, he's a shorter guy um he's smaller uh and is more of a pass rusher but it's it was it was interesting because i didn't notice the the switch when it happened because they kind of look like the same guy yeah, I, I didn't even notice yeah <clears throat> and so getting him an opportunity to get some playing time would be fun too because i think um having a guy who can get some pass rush from the inside you know get that three tech that can get upfield. yeah we um, desperately need that on this team yeah um and so if puna can't play you know you've still got <clears throat> you've still got woods over there and and um you know he's going to be your guy and then probably Collier as you know, your other, uh, your other interior tackle. Um, but, but get a guy like Adams in there and let him, let him rush the passer and, and see what he's got because they need that. And he doesn't, we're not looking for a start him to be grow into being a starter. It would be nice, but that's not the expectation. Um, but if he can be a rotational piece that can actually get upfield and, and make it so the quarterback can't step up in the pocket to avoid the ends, um, that would be really helpful. And so they, it's a guy that they need. What do you make of Carlos Dunlap in the last couple of weeks compared to the, the, you know, the previous 12 games? I don't know because he got challenged by the coaching staff. He got, he, his play had been, been so just lackluster that his uh, snaps got cut back. And in one of the games, I think he played seven snaps. Mm-hmm. Was that the 49er game? Um, and in those seven snaps, he had uh, a sack for a safety and a batted ball on fourth down um, to ice the game. And after that, his his playtime has come back up slowly over the last couple of games since then. Um, and his production has come with it. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm liking that aspect of it. But the fact that it, Right. Was it really that he got that he got challenged and that he was maybe not putting in the effort? I have not heard that, but um, apparently you have. So that's well, news was, to me a little bit. So I, I mean, the fact his playing time getting cut to seven snaps in that game was well, something's not, going on, right? Yeah, his but, playing but time. This, had, but this, but but this coaching staff has been horrible at managing snaps for players overall not just Dunlap or whatever, but you know, yeah, they're, guys, they're, other guys, they're, they're genuinely bad at it. Um, yes. I don't, I don't really like, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I don't like the way they handle that kind of stuff. Um, and 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know what to think because well, my it, it, my question this... is, what do we do in the off season? I mean, we we obviously need pass rushers. Um, Carlos, if I remember correctly, Keith wasn't it, didn't he have a three year deal? But it was really a two year deal with one year, year deal. one yeah. year thrown away completely. It's a voidable year, yeah, voidable so... year. And so, but he's so he's back next year, and there is in some theory. sort of a. A, a cap charge if he's not so it would seem to me that he he would be back unless yep. they just decide to move on and take the the hit which doesn't make any sense um but you can't depend necessarily on on production at this point from carlos Dunlap. i mean you're getting it right now which is interesting and great and it's fun and these games are meaningless but mm-hmm. um he wasn't giving us anything at the beginning of the year, uh, of the year when we really needed it so yeah, um, and that's why I, I don't know. Because was he hurt more and like banged up in a way that we didn't know, and that was what was causing him to to struggle or or what? I just mm. I'm um, I don't know, and I'm worried about it. So okay, so his <laughs> um, his contract for next year. Uh, his cap number is six and a half million dollars, which is reasonable if he plays as a yes, um, uh, rotational, uh, yeah, yeah, a pass yeah, and, yeah, and um, his the dead money for cutting him is 5.6, so they only get 900,000. Yeah, so um, he's he's gonna be back, mm-hmm. unless somehow they you know they ship him out or something. If they know, find a way to, if they trade. find a way to, if they find a way to trade him or if they move him to, um, yeah, because if they if they trade him, he is uh, his cap number is only nine hundred thousand. Yeah, if you could if you could flip him for like a fifth round pick, I'd do it. Mm-hmm. Just because, I yeah, I think that it's a young man's game, and that he's not the future. And this team is five and ten, and you gotta you gotta move towards something more sustainable. The other thing that they could do is is use a, a post June first designation for him, mm-hmm. um, in which he only counts one point four million against the cap, and then they have five point one of savings. Will you so, do me a favor and will you look at Dwayne Brown's situation? Because um, he's he's under contract, but I don't believe that there's any money there. There's nothing. I there. don't think he's under con- contract. Is he? Last time I checked, 2022, I thought I saw his name, and I didn't pay any attention. But I, I think I scanned it, and it was like there wasn't any money there. He was just kind of a placeholder amount. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is great content as I look stuff up on the internet. Um, Sorry. So- <laughs> Okay. Um, well, the reason I ask is that um, if they would, if they did bring him back, it would be only for a one-year deal. I mean, it wouldn't. You wouldn't give a multi-year contract to Dwayne Brown this off-season based on the play he had this year and and kind of diminishing returns over the last couple of years. Now he's obviously is still a talent, and uh, based on the idea that we don't have anything on the roster currently in place to take over. If we didn't solve it in the offseason, it might be worth chucking, you know, a one-year, $10 million deal towards him and and see if he would take that. So his uh, 2022 contract is void. 
Okay. There's, there's that's no, what it, that's what there, it was. It, it, it's a, um, it's a thing that existed in order to extend his cap hit. Um, and push dead money into next year, but there's no salary, which makes it they have to resign him. He, he can't he can't play on a contract that doesn't exist. Um, and so they would reach a point, um, probably on the first day of the year, where he either gets um, officially released. For, uh, yeah, because there's no salary, so they can't they can't hold on to him. It's basically an illegal contract. Right. Um, so. <clears throat> yeah, so he's done um, in in Seattle at, at with this current contract. He's also thirty six. Next year he'll be thirty seven. Um, and I mean, it, it, in one sense, you know, they're gonna they're gonna lose three point five million um, to him in uh, you know dead money because they did push some stuff out into that voided year. Um, Either way, so you're like, okay, if you're already going to be paying, you know, not paying him, but he's going to be on the books for that. Maybe you can get him to come in and play for a little bit. But you know, he made, um, you know, he made nine and a half million dollars this year. That's actually incredibly reasonable for a left tackle. Yeah, even even a, even a middle tier left tackle. What would your strategy be right now, knowing the situation? We've got Forsyth on the roster, really nothing else. At left tackle, um, how would you approach the off season in free agency first, and then the the draft to solve left tackle of the future issues? And even if that's just a one year placeholder solving, how would you approach twenty twenty two? Man, I'd want to know what else is out there and what you can go get, um, mm-hmm. because I think getting Curran on the roster, uh, you know, and, and, and him being developing into a guy that you can count on on the right side makes things easier. Um, in that you, rather than replacing three guys on the offensive line, you're now replacing two. And if you can make that one by, by putting, um, by, by getting Brown under contract for one more year, I, I don't know if he'll sign that, but if you can get him to, especially at a, at a at a lower number, given his, I'm trying diminished... to look up right now what the left tackle situation is. Um, I don't have it <clears throat> divided here. Orlando Brown Jr., Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, Teron Armstead, New Orleans Saints. Dwayne Brown, Charles Leno Jr., Riley Reef. Cincinnati Bengals, he's not going to go anywhere. Jason Peters, Chicago Bears. That's the list. Wow. So, I mean, that's not the complete list. That's just the top offensive linemen in the 2022 mm-hmm. free agent class. Now, I didn't mention the guards, Brandon Scherf uh, and uh, Lake, Lake and Tomlinson. And Ben Jones, the center from the Titans, is on the list. Well, um, but that's the, that's the top nine offensive linemen in free agency, and half of those will probably end up getting resigned. Were you looking at last year? Is that last year? No, this is uh, 2022. Because I'm looking at Cam Robinson. If yeah. He, if he's available at 27, um, and his level of play, I mean, he, he's coming off an injury, so you got to. Yeah, gotta they didn't have him listed. Yeah. You got to be concerned about that, but I would. Um, I'd throw money at him 
yeah. in a hurry. I mean, he's he's a good a good player. Yeah. Uh, Taron Armstead with the Saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's thirty one. His contract is void, so he will be a free agent unless they can they can ink him. Um, and then after that, I mean, it's pretty bleak. But we'll have this conversation, uh, yeah. a longer conversation about these position groups and availability and free agency and all that kind of stuff. But it's just an interesting conversation as far as the Seahawks are concerned on Dwayne Brown specifically. My only thought was Dwayne Brown's available. He's already got a home in Seattle. He's established. It'd be nice if Seattle could throw him like a two-year deal with one year. You know, it's really a one-year deal um, just to get the Seahawks to another year where they can try to figure it out um, because they don't have a first-round pick this year. Um, and, and, and if they did have that first-round pick, it would be early enough where we could go get ourselves a freaking tackle. Um, and it's just not going to happen this year. So, um, and free agency doesn't look, eh, I mean, one way or another, it seems like you're going to have to throw money. At left tackle, at left tackle, it never looks good. Yeah. Well, especially if somebody's going to be made available, it's always going to be, you know, Cam, Cam, uh, whatchamacallit? Robinson. Robinson. Um, You know, he's a top 15 guy. He's not like a top three guy. True. Um, and that's why he might be available, and he might be re-signed. We just we just don't know. Yeah, I mean it's it it's an interesting um, it's an interesting situation because I think that uh, left tackle is so hard to find, and there aren't enough of them in the NFL. It's kind of like quarterback, where there just aren't thirty two. Yeah, there aren't thirty two guys with that skill set at that size um, in the world. And so when you've got one, you try and hold on to them um, as best you can. But the question for Seattle is, do you have one? Yeah. Because what's, what does Dwayne Brown bring to the table next year? We already saw diminishing returns from between last year to this year. What is another year of age? Um, Yeah, it's not good. I mean, that's why I think that you try to get some reps in the last couple of games for Forsyth. I really do. Otherwise, you just have no idea, really, mm-hmm. what you've got in Forsyth. Anyway, another discussion another, another time. Um, let's go have fun watching the game. We've reached the point in the season where, whatever, let it go, people. You just got to let it go. It is what it is. Go have fun with the game. Uh, pay attention to individual contributors and um, th- that would be coming back next year. And... Um, Cheer on, cheer on those guys. Cheer on the team. You know, hopefully we win. It'd be great. Um, and uh, take care of business and then go finish out the year the following week against the Cardinals. So anything else? No, let's do it. All right. All right. So follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on uh, Twitter. Uh, SeahawksPlaybook.com is the website. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. So until next time, go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.